Thank you, Casey. Thank you, Job, for reading the scripture today. Gracias a Casey y Job por uh, ayudar y leer la escritura. I'm excited about those two young people and several others at our outdoor service. Uh, they are professing their faith in Jesus Christ, and some will be baptized. Others will be completing their baptism as, as children. Uh, estamos celebrando hoy la profesión de fe de estos jóvenes y otros. Algunos se van a bautizar, otros están cumpliendo con el bautismo que recibieron como niños. So we're going to be showing you next week uh, that whole celebration so that you can be a part of it. So be looking forward to that. Les vamos a mostrar la celebración el próximo domingo en el servicio en línea. So if Hollywood were to pick just one Bible character to be the subject of a major motion picture, I think that Hollywood, choo Hollywood would choose the Bible character the judge that we're talking today about, and that is uh, Samson. Si Hollywood pudiera escoger un personaje bíblico para una película sería Sansón. I mean, if you look at this story, which is found in Judges 13 through 16, you find that, that Samson is really the picture of the, of the perfect Hollywood action Hero. Sansón podría ser un, un héroe de acción de las películas. I mean, I could just see Samson as a part of the Avengers. You know what I mean? Él sería como parte de los Vengadores. I mean, he would make the, the perfect fifth member of the Fantastic Four. Sería el quinto miembro de los cuatro fantásticos. I, I can see Samson, I don't know, maybe it's just me, but I can see him uh, palling around with Thor, okay, going around the universe and knocking heads and doing things. El sería como compadre de Thor. Why? Well, it's simple. First of all, Samson has superpowers, just like a modern action hero, el tiene poderes. I mean, we're talking about a guy who in Judges chapter 15 uh, protects an Israelite city from attack. How? By taking the dry jawbone of a dead donkey and whacking and killing a thousand Philistine soldiers. El usa la quijada seca de un asno para matar a, a mil filisteos. That's strong. Uh, we're talking about a guy who, in Judges 16, rips up the, the city gates of the city of Gaza, and he escapes the city by uprooting the gates and carrying them 35 miles to a hill. Es un hombre que, que se escapa de la ciudad de Gaza, estirpando las puertas de la ciudad y llevándolas a una colina a 35 millas. I mean, Samson is strong. Samson is, is powerful. But that's not all. Samson is also very smart, like your, you know, Hollywood action heroes. Él es muy listo también. I mean, he tells riddles that no one else can solve except by deception, except by cheating. Él uh, presenta adivinanzas que nadie puede resolver menos uh, por engañar a alguien. And, and he does other things. For example, he outsmarts the Philistines once, by setting fire to 300 foxtails and setting foxes loose in their fields. He destroys their fields. El destruye y es muy astuto con los filisteos. Destruye sus campos prendiendo fuego a 300 zorros. I mean, you're talking about a guy who pretends 
to be held down with ropes and then escapes. He snaps them as if they were nothing, uh, and he gets out of his jam. I mean, he's the perfect action hero. Se escapa uh, rompiendo cuerdas y todo. I mean, Hollywood would just love Samson. Yes, our our modern world would love Samson. Al mundo le encantaría Sansón. But here's the thing. Any movie about Samson would really not be a triumph. Any movie about Samson would have to be a tragedy. Cualquier película sobre Sansón tendría que ser una tragedia. Why? Because what we have here in the story of Samson is the story of a man who completely rejects God's path for his life. Es un hombre que rechaza la senda de Dios. He goes in a different direction. And what, you might ask, was God's path for him? ¿Cuál era la senda de Dios para Sansón? Well, we find that explained for us in Judges 13, verse 5, Jueces 13, 5, talking about Samson, it says, the boy is to be a Nazarite, set apart to God from birth, and he will begin the deliverance of Israel from the hands of the Philistines. Dice que el niño va a ser Nazareo, consagrado a Dios antes desde antes de nacer. So Samson's path, Samson's road was to be what is called a Nazarite. El era Nazareo. What's that? Well, basically, a Nazarite is a person who has made a special commitment and has been set apart to be completely devoted to God. Es alguien con el compromiso de ser devoto 100% a Dios. And Samson was to be this way from before his birth. Él fue apartado así antes de nacer. In fact, if we go back to Numbers chapter 6 in the Bible, Numbers chapter 6, we read there in that chapter about the requirements of a Nazarite. What are the promises? What are the commitments of a Nazarite? In Numero 6, vemos los requisitos de un Nazareo. Numbers chapter 6, verse 3 says, he must abstain from wine and other fermented drink. Debe, deberá abstenerse de vino y otras bebidas fermentadas. Judges, or rather, Numbers 6, verse 5 says, no razor may be used on his head. Tampoco se cortará el cabello. In other words, a Nazarite had to grow out their hair. No haircuts. And so then in verse 6, it says that a Nazarite must not go near a dead body. Dice que no podrá acercarse a ningún cadáver. And then if we go back to Judges, chapter 13, verse 4, it tells us that a Nazarite should not eat unclean food. Tampoco deberá comer comida impuro, impura. In fact, in Judges 13, 4, it says not even Samson's mother was to eat unclean food while she was pregnant. Ella no, la mamá ni podía comer comida impura. So these are the requirements of a Nazarite. But why? What was the purpose of not drinking and not eating unclean food and not shaving? What was the reason? ¿Cuál fue el propósito de todo esto? It was just one purpose. The purpose was to train the heart of a person, to train the heart of Samson, to be 100% dedicated to God. El propósito fue cultivar y capacitar el corazón para estar comprometido con Dios. And yet, what do we see in Samson? We see the complete opposite. Vemos lo opuesto en Sansón. We see in Samson a, a, a heart that is not dedicated to God, a heart that is really not dedicated to the Lord, but rather a heart that is dedicated to living by his own wits. 
and by his own impulses. Él está dedicado a vivir por sus propios pensamientos e impulsos. What we find in Samson is the story of a man who is comfortable living in a godless environment. Él está cómodo en un ambiente no piadoso. In fact, Samson's not the only one. No es el único. Go with me back to chapter 13, verse 1, and, and again we come back to this downward spin cycle. Vemos el ciclo descendente de Israel en capítulo 13, 1. It says this, Again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. Una vez más, los israelitas hicieron lo que ofende al Señor. Israel sinned. Israel fell into idolatry. And so what happened? God sold them into the hands of the Philistines once again, and they were subject to them for 40 years. Dios los vendió a manos de los filisteos durante 40 años. So again, the cycle is predictable. Israel sins. Israel falls into slavery. Israel peca y después cae en esclavitud. But then, something different is here. Bible scholars are quick to note that this time around the spin cycle, Israel does not cry out to God. Esta vez Israel no clama a Dios. Israel doesn't ask God for help. No pide a Dios ayuda. Now, undoubtedly, Israel's suffering. They're in misery. They don't like this situation. Están en miseria, and yet it's almost like they don't care. They don't even care to look for help. No les importa. It, it's like they've become used to being under someone's thumb. They've become comfortable living in enemy culture. Están cómodos en la cultura del enemigo. And Samson is comfortable too. What we see in Samson is a man who is very comfortable hanging out with the enemy. Sansón está cómodo al estar con el enemigo. And not only is he comfortable being with the enemy, what we find in Samson is a man who's always flirting with the line. He's flirting with the limits of what he is supposed to do. Está coqueteando Sansón con los límites de lo que Dios pide. For example, as a Nazarite, well, Samson wasn't supposed to touch a dead body. He wasn't supposed to go near any unclean food. No debía tocar un cadáver ni comer comida impura. And yet, the Bible records that on one occasion at least, Samson reaches his hand into the carcass of a dead lion and he pulls out honey. Él saca de un león muerto miel. Now, is that unclean? Is the lion unclean? Is the honey unclean because of that? Es impuro el león muerto y el miel. Well, it's, it's not quite clear. I mean, it's, it's a dead body, but it's not a dead human body. No es un cadáver humano. But this much is clear. He's flirting with the line. Él está jugando con la línea. Another example, as a as a Nazarite, Samson was not to touch any wine or any alcohol. No debía beber vino, alcohol. And yet, what do you find in Samson? If you read the story of Samson, he's always hanging around vineyards. He's where wine is. Siempre está en los viñedos. In fact, he himself throws a wedding feast in which the wine is flowing like water. Él mismo da una, un banquete de boda donde hay vino. So, did Samson drink alcohol? Es que tomar, tomó alcohol? We don't know. We're not sure. But this much we can see. He's right up to the line. Está acercándose a la línea. Finally, 
as a Nazarite. Samson was to be dedicated wholly to following after God. He was to pursue God with his life. Él debía como Nazareo seguir a Dios, perseguir a Dios. And yet what we find in the story of Samson is a guy who is 100% dedicated to pursuing women. And here he really flirts. Está dedicado a seguir a las mujeres. He takes up and he marries a, a godless Philistine woman, se casa con una filistea, and he later rejects her, la rechaza, and then we find he, he goes and he visits a Philistine prostitute, hasta uh, visita una ramera, a filistea, and then finally, at the end of his life, he takes up with this Philistine seductress, this temptress by the name of Delilah. And he's pursuing her. Está siguiendo después la seductora de Lila. And in all of this flirting, in all of this playing with the line, what we see here is a man who is dedicated to living by his own wits and his own impulses, his own head and his own gut. Está viviendo de su propia cabeza y sus propios impulsos del estómago. He's cleverly playing with sin and he's satisfying all of his desires. Está jugando con el pecado y con sus apetitos. He is what author C.S. Lewis would call a man without a chest. Es un hombre sin pecho. Let me see if I can explain that. About 80 years ago, C.S. Lewis, this Christian author, wrote about our modern day. And he said, in our modern age, we're living in a society that trains us to really live by our own intelligence and to satisfy all of our appetites. La sociedad moderna nos capacita a vivir por la inteligencia y los apetitos, but what our modern society doesn't do is train our hearts. In other words, we have big brains, we're really smart, we have big stomachs, we know how to get up to the buffet, but he said we're like people without chests. Somos gente como gente sin pecho. We don't have a heart. No tenemos corazón. And that's significant. Because you see, the heart is a unique place. The heart is where knowledge and passion come together. En el corazón, el conocimiento y la pasión se conectan. And not only do knowledge and passion come together, but in the heart, knowledge and passion come together so that we can connect with God. Allí nos conectamos con Dios. The heart is the one place where we have a connection with God. And so without that, without a chest, without the heart, we cannot develop the ability to seek God and to trust God and to love God and to want God and to submit God to God. Si no tenemos corazón, no queremos ni buscar ni someternos a Dios. And instead, uh, we are submitting ourselves to our own thoughts and our own appetites and desires. And in the end, it will destroy us just like it did Samson. Cuando nos sometemos a nuestros propios pensamientos y deseos, nos destruye como lo hizo a Sansón.
Think about Samson for just a minute. We're talking about a man who, it says very clearly, had the Spirit of God upon him. El Espíritu de Dios estaba sobre Sansón. In fact, there are three specific times that the book of Judges talks about the Spirit of God coming on Samson, and that's when his power is displayed. El Espíritu está sobre Sansón. First of all, it was when he killed that lion with his bare hands, cuando mató un león. Second of all, when he took that jawbone and he killed a thousand Philistines, cuando mató los filisteos con la quijada. And then thirdly, when he stripped 30 men of their clothes, to pay for a bet he lost. Después despojó a 30 hombres de su ropa. The Spirit of God was upon him. So we look at that and we say, well, the Spirit of God was upon him. Then why didn't he end up in a good place? The Spirit of God was on Samson. But the Spirit of God was never in Samson. El Espíritu estaba sobre él, pero no dentro de él. Why? Because he had no chest. He had not developed a heart for God. No tenía corazón para Dios. In fact, you may know the tragic story of how this all came to an end. It was Samson's desire to please this woman, Delilah, more than to please God, that got him into trouble. Él quería agradar a Delilah más que a Dios. She kept pestering him and bothering him. What's the secret of your strength? Ella le molestaba. ¿Cuál es el secreto de tu fuerza? And finally, in Judges 16, verse 17, he caves in. Jueces 16, 17. It says, so he told her everything. No razor has ever been used on my head, he said, because I've been a Nazarite set apart to God since birth. Al fin se lo dijo todo. Nunca ha pasado navaja sobre mi cabeza porque soy Nazareo consagrado a Dios desde antes de nacer. And he tells Delilah, if my head were shaved, my strength would leave me and I would become as weak as any other man. Si se me afectara la cabeza, perdería mi fuerza y llegaría a ser tan débil como cualquier otro hombre. And guess what happens? As Samson falls asleep, the Philistines come, they cut his hair, they shave it off completely. Después se duerme, los filisteos le afeitan la cabeza. And it's at the point that the hair is cut that the line is crossed. Así se cruza la niña. At the point that all the hair is gone, his Nazarite vow is gone. He is no longer a Nazarite. He is no longer set apart for God's purpose. Así se corta su, su compromiso de Nazareo. And in Judges 16.20, we find what I think is one of the saddest verses in the book of Judges. Vemos este versículo triste. It says that he did not know that the Lord had left him. Él no sabía que el Señor lo había dejado. Samson, the Philistines are upon you, Delilah said. He wakes up thinking, I can take these guys. Yo puedo atacar estos filisteos, piensa. But he did not know the Lord had left him. And in Samson, we see the sad, tragic story of a man without a chest. Did God use him? Yes, God used him. 
I think God used Samson more in spite of Samson, not because because of him. God is good that way. Dios usó a Sansón a pesar de él, no a causa de él. In fact, it's interesting to note there are only two times that Samson cries out to God. Hay solo dos veces cuando Sansón clama a Dios. Now, it's kind of interesting because Israel never cried out to God. Israel in this situation didn't ask for help. Samson only asked God for help two times. In fact, it's the only two times where he actually relates to God. Hay dos veces que él tiene un intercambio con Dios. The first is in Judges 15, 18, when he's in a dry place and he needs water and he cries out. He says, God, give me a drink. I need water. Clama por agua. Está en el desierto. And the second time Samson calls out to God is at the very end of his life. As he's in the Philistines' idol temple, in Judges 16, 28, he asks God for strength, and he says, God, give me just enough strength so that I can take vengeance on my enemies. Clama a Dios pidiendo la fuerza de tomar venganza sobre sus enemigos. And as he does so, he pushes the pillars of the Philistine idol temple down. The temple crashes, and he kills more Philistines than ever. Y él destruye el templo y mata a más filisteos. And of course, he dies as well. But both times, both times Samson cried out to God. Why did he cry out? For himself. He wanted water and he wanted vengeance. Él quería agua, quería venganza. Por eso clamaba a Dios, por sí mismo. So you see, again, as we've seen through this series, sometimes the judges give us a picture of who we are. Samson is who we are and who we become without a heart for God. Sin corazón para Dios, así somos como Sansón. Samson shows us clearly what happens when you don't train your heart to know the Lord. The second thing is Samson shows us what we need. Sansón también nos muestra que necesitamos. What we need is a hero who is not like Samson. We need a man with a chest. Tenemos que tener un hombre con pecho. We, we need a man who has a huge heart for God. Necesitamos un hombre con, con un corazón para Dios. We, we need a man who is dedicated to God from birth and never wavers in that commitment. A man who follows God, who's devoted to God, who pursues God. We need a man who perfectly loves God. Ocupamos un hombre que, que sigue a Dios y que ama a Dios. We need a man who cries out to God, not for himself, but for us. Necesitamos a un hombre que clama a Dios, no por él, sino por nosotros. And there's good news. We have such a man. Hay tal hombre. Turn with me to Luke 23, 34. Lucas 23, 34. As he's being nailed to the cross, Jesus said, Jesus cried out, Father, forgive them. They do not know what they're doing. Al clavarlo a la cruz, dice Jesús, Padre, perdónalos porque no saben lo que hacen. That's one of the times that Jesus cries out on the cross. And then in Luke 23, 46, we find the second time. It says, Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Después dice, Jesús exclamó con fuerza, Padre, en tus manos encomiendo mi espíritu. 
Samson cried out to God for himself, for his own selfish reasons, but Jesus cries out to God for our forgiveness, and he cries out to God to give up his life for our sins and to pay the price on the cross to completely follow the Father's will. Jesús clama a Dios pidiendo nuestro perdón y después entregándose la voluntad del Padre muriendo por nuestros pecados. This is the man we need. This is the man we need to follow. Ese es el hombre que tenemos que seguir. This, this is the man whose heart we need in our heart. Tenemos que tener su corazón en nosotros. And here's the good news. That's possible. It's possible by repenting. That is by giving up our proud thoughts, giving up our proud desires, laying those aside and embracing this man and saying, come into my life, come into my heart. Podemos hacerlo dejando los pensamientos orgullosos, los deseos orgullosos y abrazando a Jesús. And when we do that, here's the thing. We can have something Samson never had. We can have the Holy Spirit not only on us, but we can have the Holy Spirit of the risen Lord Jesus Christ inside of us, in our hearts. Podemos tener el Espíritu Santo de este hombre no solo sobre nosotros, sino en nosotros. And with the Spirit of the risen Lord Jesus, the Bible says we can have a new heart. And we can then learn the way to follow God and to love God and to, to be dedicated to God. We are born again with a new commitment, not to be Nazarites, but to be disciples. If you have been born again and trusted in Jesus, you have a vow, you have a, a road to follow. It's called the road of a disciple. Si has nacido de nuevo en Jesús, eres discípulo. No nacerero, sino discípulo. And what is a disciple? It's somebody who's being trained to have a heart like Jesus. So, so the tragic story of Samson really shows us that, that we really have two choices. When we live by our impulses and by our own ideas, the end is destruction. When we allow our hearts to be trained to trust in Jesus, the result is abundant life. That's the good news. Uh, Psalm 37, 4 puts it this way. It says, delight yourselves in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Deleítate en el Señor, dice el Salmo, y él te concederá los deseos de tu corazón. We're talking about training. Training the heart is a process. Uh, training is about repetition. It's about habits. It's about developing a kind of spiritual muscle memory. El capacitarse tiene que ver con capacitar el corazón, hábitos, repetición. Here's the thing I think we need to recognize. Every single day, you and I are being trained. Our hearts are being trained. What are we being trained by? Our hearts are being conditioned and they are being uh, habitualized to either desire the thoughts and the ways of the world or to desire Jesus Christ. Nuestros corazones están o capacitados para desear los deseos e impulsos del mundo o para 
seguir a Jesús. The question is, what is going to train your heart? Is it going to be the messages that bombard us every day in the world? Or is it going to be the word of God? And so what we're talking about here is that every day our hearts need to be trained with simple habits that bring a knowledge and a passion for God together. Hay que tener hábitos que unen nuestro conocimiento y nuestra pasión por Dios. Prayer. Prayer brings my knowledge of God and my desire for God together. And I call out to God and I say, God, I need you. And I connect with God through prayer. La oración conecta mi conocimiento y me deseo por Dios. Reading the Bible. Not just reading it and checking it off and say, oh, I did that. But reading to understand, reading to encounter Jesus, reading to understand God, just as we've been doing through this series on Judges, leyendo la Biblia a diario, going beyond just the words, but to the heart of what God's message is. Repetition in that is going to change the way you think. It's going to change your desires. Giving, serving, Talking to other people about our faith. Talking to people who believe and talking to people who don't believe. As you repeat that, as you do that, you begin to get a different heart for God. Hablando con las personas en nuestra fe, a los que creen, a los que no creen, sirviendo, dando. That's why we do repetitive stuff in the church, like weekly offering. That's why we do things that repeat, like getting together to worship, because it trains our hearts. I'm so excited today about our young people. And I can't wait to celebrate with you online the, the commitment that our young students have made. Nuestros estudiantes han hecho un gran compromiso. And here's my heart for them and for every young person that they would not stop. Students, you've, you've started something good. We've been through a process of the last few months of learning some of these habits to train your heart. But today's just the beginning. You're a disciple. You have a new commitment, and God's going to take you down this road. But here's my encouragement. Don't stop cultivating your heart. No dejes de cultivar y capacitar tu corazón. Don't stop desiring the one that will fulfill all your desires, and that's Jesus. No dejen de tener un corazón por Jesús. I want to pray with you right now. Let's do that together. Lord, thank you for these words from your word. May they find a place to sink in our hearts. Que esta palabra nos, nos encuentre lugar en el corazón. God, oh God, give us chests with hearts inside of them that beat strong to know that you are real. This is what our heartless world needs. Our heartless world needs this. Nuestro mundo sin corazón necesita esto. And so God, I pray for each person in Sunrise who's listening right now. May this week be a week where hearts are softened towards you and lean towards you and grow in love with you. Que nuestro corazón se ablande, Señor, y que podamos conocerte más. Gracias, Padre. Thank you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. In tu santo nombre. Amen.